Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, (laughs) I must say this is a pleasure. This is my first regular Sunday service in 18 months. Thanks be to God. And it's so wonderful to be able to spend it with you. And for that to be a baptismal service is a double blessing. Another warm welcome to Jason and Eve Nadecki and their beautiful family, and especially to Ella to be baptized today. It's a pleasure to finally arrive at this long-anticipated but long-delayed day. I really rejoice in this uh, return to in-person worship. We've endured much, but thanks be to God, we are in a different place now. I want to start this morning by saying something to you about your rector and our dean. Tim began his incumbency with you on January 1st. He has only just begun meeting some of you in person in recent months. To say that he has begun his ministry among you in a challenging time is a bit of an understatement. And yet, and yet, the work that you have done together to be the face and hands of Christ in this place has been remarkable. A simple thank you seems inadequate, but it must suffice. But please know, Tim, the depth of our appreciation for all of your gifts. I must also thank the Corporation of the Cathedral as well. To lead in in good times, in normative times, is, as you know, not without challenge. But to lead in a storm requires two things in equal proportion, courage and trust. Trust that God is leading and the courage to follow. Thank you for both and for being so stalwart And even more than that, for being willing to take risks, the risks of faith in this time. It's what makes this mother church of our diocese such a beautiful exemplar for us all. So to all of the wardens, my, our thanks. And many thanks to Michael who has to use that well-worn pandemic word, pivoted time and time again to beautifully, as always, provide us with the music of the church in a time when that has been so complex. Thank you to the choir, again singing the music of the church this morning. And thanks to Allison and Derek and Turner and Bishop Ralph and all the rest who uphold and support the ministry of the parish of the cathedral. To all of you who have done your best, truly done your best, through this time. Thank you for being such fine ambassadors of Christ. You know, this pandemic is a thief that's stolen a lot from us for a time, but not the essentials. Places like Christ Church and the people who make up the church in this place have been forced to figure out what is truly important and to hold on to that no matter what. 
And maybe that's a gift of this time. It's at times like this that it's so important that we again touch the center of our faith, the core of our beliefs, and remember to ourselves both what we believe and why we believe it. And that's not easy, actually. Faith, like other intangibles, like love, is not simple to take out and examine and in any kind of logical or rational way. But does that mean that it's less valid than an empirically verifiable fact? Well, I don't think so. Simply because human beings aren't made that way. We've been blessed with possessing ways of knowing that are beyond words, beyond concrete demonstrations by a stacking up of facts. And yet words are important, like today. Now, today is important for two reasons. First, because little Ella Claire is to be baptized. And secondly, because today in the church year, this is the festival of the reign of Christ, the Sunday on which we reflect on the biblical teaching that God has made Jesus Lord of all. The two things are connected. Stay with me. <laughs> now, weirdly, today's gospel reading could hardly present a stronger contrast to the idea of kingship as we know it. It comes from the story of Jesus' trial and crucifixion. And in this reading, well, Jesus doesn't look very kingly. He stands before the representative of the Roman emperor, Pontius Pilate, accused of being a, a criminal and a rebel against the Roman state. And yet, right in the middle of this passage, there's a strange discussion about the nature of Jesus' kingship. In John 18:36, Jesus says to Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Well, it sounds as if Jesus' kingship isn't defined by our concepts of kingship. And that's interesting. And it might give us a clue as to why this day is important, because, because you could be forgiven for thinking that the kingship of Christ might seem an arcane or an outmoded thing to celebrate in our world. Maybe, but actually not. In fact, I believe it's probably one of the most relevant and important things that we can say about Jesus. Let me tell you why. Now, in order to understand what this is all about, you have to understand why the feast was introduced in the first place, because it's a young feast in the church. So in the days after the end of World War I, Pope Pius XI, when the dust and the smoke of that great conflagration had settled, looked around our world, as you do if you're a world leader, and what did he see? Well, he saw that while the war was technically over, there was still no true peace. He saw the rise of, of class warfare. He saw nationalism raise its ugly head. He saw what looked like intractable prejudice and racial and cultural violence. And he was really deeply troubled. And he lamented all of this, but at the same time was absolutely sure that the way answer this, all this unrest, and correct this unpeace was to introduce this feast of the church, the feast of Christ the King, 
or the kingship of Christ. Now, might not seem very effective. That is, until you get what he was thinking. You see, he wanted to remind believers and non-believers alike that true peace, constructive, productive, satisfyingly, heart-deep peace, can only be found in Jesus as the Prince of Peace. He wrote these words. He says, For Jesus Christ reigns over the minds of individuals by his teachings, in their hearts by his love, in each one's life by the living according to his law and the imitating of his example. And indeed, I think we all know that the world would be a much better place if we could all do that. That all sounds great. But there's more, because it still doesn't get to the pretty profound point that he was really making. That's a deeper and a bit deeper and a little bit more radical. It's something that allows us to look at Jesus, a small town carpenter and preacher from 2,000 years ago, and see in him not only the savior of the world, but the savior of our souls. That, those are big claims. We can see this because of something our Jewish sisters and brothers introduced to the world, something that Jesus taught and lived out and died and rose for. The idea that the true leader the true king is the one who serves, the one who suffers for his people. The Jewish idea of a king was that the king ruled under God, not as God or equal to God, but under God. The Jewish idea was that the, the king was responsible to God and bore a sacred responsibility for his subjects. And this idea was taken further by the prophets and was brought to beautiful, lyrical form, in particular by the words of the prophet Isaiah, who saw the king, the Messiah, as the one who suffers on behalf of his people as a suffering servant. And of course, Christians believe that Jesus was the incarnation, literally the embodiment of that idea. Jesus said things like, the true leader is the one who serves others. The one who takes up the burdens of others is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Just remember the stories. Remember in the upper room when he got down on his hands and knees and washed the disciples' feet. Jesus showed what true leadership, what true kingship is about. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Think about his interaction with the woman at the well. So wise and compassionate telling her who she was in the eyes of God and to live her life, seeing herself as God saw her, as a loved and precious child of God and not the sum of all the things that she'd done wrong in her life. Think about how Jesus healed and welcomed and brought into the center of life women, children, the lost and the least. Think about how he brought restoration and the hope of a new life in all of these stories. How a man, because Jesus told him he was forgiven, could get up from a life of paralysis and begin to walk again, and begin to hope again, and begin to contribute again. Well, I have to say that I'm on board with that kind of kingship, because this is no earthbound king, no made-up regal entity, no human construct. This is a heavenly king, a selfless king, a king who understands that sacrifice is the particular quality of divine kingship and the sign of God's love among us. Well, that's a pretty countercultural way of thinking about kingship. 
And I might say about leadership too, it's, it's challenging, <laughs> it's unsettling. And so we celebrate Christ the King today, not because of his awesomeness, but because of his humility. Not because of his power, but because of his compassion and mercy and healing. And not because of his triumph, but because of his suffering. And not because he somehow waves a magic wand to take away our pain, but because he shows us the content of discipleship, the way to live and to be with each other and to find hope and possibility and compassion and love for our human beings every day. And this is the hope we baptize Ella Claire into this morning. See, now it begins to make sense, doesn't it? How this Pope that thought that celebrating Jesus' kingship could be the answer to all our problems. So how does this work for us who gather as a community of faith around this little one at the beginning of her Christian vocation to support her? Well, I'm pretty convinced that the Holy Father was right. As I look out at our world today, I still see violence of all kinds. Nationalism is having a tragic comeback, not to mention prejudice and racial and cultural violence. And I know that I need the strength of Christ the King in my heart to combat these creeping evils. And we probably don't even have to go that far to find our need of a servant king. Poverty lives on our front door in Hamilton, in our communities, across the diocese, even if it's for hidden. And it's not just tangible poverty, is it? It's the poverty of spirit, of imagination to seek solutions to systemic issues. And so I know that I need the kingship of the one who broke five loaves and two fish and fed a multitude. I need that king in my heart and head to keep my heart soft and generous and my head expansive with possibility. And what does it mean personally, perhaps even today, to say that Christ is king? Well, as I experience pain and loss, as I experience life and death, especially during these years of pandemic, I know, I know that I need the King of Love to take up residence in my heart and my head to remind me, because I believe in the resurrected one, I can also have the hope of arising again, of a new life, different from the old, but still beautiful. These are truths that Ella and all Christians are baptized into. There's a constancy, a, a certain hope that our faith, that this kingship also implies. Our belief in Jesus Christ just hums along as the foundation to our lives. It's always there. If I'm having a hard time believing and I'm struggling with doubt, Jesus still reigns. If I'm having a challenging time with my fellow Christians, experiencing conflict and maybe anger, Jesus still reigns. If I'm feeling disillusioned with this world, Jesus still reigns. And if I'm in the middle of a global pandemic and I'm scared, Jesus still reigns. You get the point. Jesus still reigns. He's the great constant. The unchanging love of God is always waiting for us. As the hymn says, Jesus shall reign where'er the, 
the sun doth its successive journeys run. We take strength from that. It sustains us. So maybe this day isn't quite so arcane or strange as it seems. Maybe, in fact, it's important and foundational instead. And maybe it's a point of light in what can seem a really dark time. I think it's all this that I'm saying when I confess that Jesus is Lord in my life and in the church's life and in the life of the baptized, that God's love touches every corner of this world. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ's Church Cathedral. Our original theme and audio engineering are done by Eduardo Farias. For more information, go to cathedralhamilton.ca. We hope you would join us again soon. Have a blessed day.